Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Gareth Coker for Ark Survival Evolved. He'll explain it to you in a moment, but I must say, this is a pretty fabulous score. Not to prematurely bias you, of course, but you can add this to the list of truly incredible video game scores in 2017, and it just keeps getting longer. This has been a banner year, in my opinion, and there's still more to come, and we can't wait. Uh, Some highlights of this score might include the 93-piece orchestra recorded at Abbey Road with a professional orchestra that doubles as a studio orchestra, so that means that they play concerts in a hall. They have a regular season of concerts playing classical music, Beethoven, Mahler, Mozart, Copland, whatever. And then they also happen to record fantastic uh, film and game scores. Now that's not an easy task for an ensemble to kind of split personalities like that, and they do it very, very well. Also very fun to talk with Gareth about the repercussions of scoring a game that's in early access, as ARC was for a while there, meaning that not all the music was in the game when people first started playing. Ark is such a difficult game to describe because for, for it is so many things for so many people, but I'll, I'll do my best. So basically, <laughs> you you start off the game and you are dumped on an island. You just wake up and you have absolutely nothing. You you, you don't even have any clothes or anything. So the nature of the game is you, you it's called Survival Evolved and you, you have to survive. So to do this, you have to start looking for heat, you have to start looking for water, you have to start looking for food, and then you have to build yourself shelter so you don't freeze at night. Then, gradually, if you want to like fend off um, all the creatures in the game that are attacking you, or the other humans that are attacking you, you need to build a stronger base, and you need to get some of the creatures to fight for you. You can do that by taming them. So when you start off, you might tame a dodo or a giant ant. And if you build an army of dodos, then you can take down a triceratops. And then you build an army of triceratops. Uh, and basically the creatures you can get in your survival army get, get bigger and bigger and crazier and crazier. And this loop of building more things to survive in order to get better things to increase your chance of survival basically goes all the way towards the end game and the end game your ultimate goal is to find out why you were there on the island in the first place I don't want to bury the headline, though, that these are there's dinosaurs in this game because right, sorry, that's yes. amazing. You mentioned Triceratops, but but I mean the setting of this game is of course a big deal. It matters very much to the music you wrote and the story yeah. that is going on there. And you know, there's like T Rex and stuff running yeah. around. The island has a huge variety of creatures. I think in total there's like more than 120 different species on the island, um, and these are 
based on most of the prehistoric creatures that we know, and some are some are uh, creative. Ha- have we've been g- given ourselves a bit of creative license in order to come up with uh, some new creatures, and uh, yeah, that epic prehistoric setting of the game is really what um, pushed me to make the music what it what it was for the initial main theme, because. They wanted an epic feel, but also they didn't want it to sound like Jurassic Park, which I really appreciate because I don't want to have to try and sound like a, an imitation of John Williams. <laughs> um, so they they kind of wanted me to do my own thing. Um, so I did obviously try to have a, a strong theme, but I wanted to sell the sense of adventure because when you first start off the game, you have you have no idea why you were there and I wanted to make sure that the player felt that in the music and then as they are gradually discovering different parts of the island there's a sense of discovery and adventure because you're seeing all of these really huge and amazing creatures on that are living on the same island as you so that was my my goal with the theme And yeah, so talk to us a little bit about that because, you know, before we we both hit record, we were talking a little bit about writing themes and it's such a difficult thing to do. And I think that's one of the things that people admire so much about, you know, someone like John Williams, who you just mentioned, or, you know, any of the, any number of the magnificent film composers to set the precedent before video games came along. And uh, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do to write a melody that's, you know, short or long enough to be a theme that is memorable and, and you know, won't get on someone's nerves. So talk to us a little bit about coming up with that. Did it just kind of come to you or were you improvising when you came up with it? How did that happen? I was lucky that they got me, they got me a decent amount of footage um, when they, when the game, before the game came out in early access. And so I kind, I was kind of able to get a feel for the, for the pace of the gameplay, for how things looked. And actually coming up with the theme it was probably I think it almost always is an improvisatory effort but here's here's the other cool thing the piece that is the main theme now is also my pitch for the game oh wow yeah I got put in uh, contact with Ark by the director of the Mean Greens game which I worked on back in 2015 because his company was making all the creatures for Ark at the time and they were like do you need a composer and uh, uh, sorry Ark were like do you have a composer and they were like yes Um, and then that was what I pitched them for the first time round, and that's what ended up getting me the gig. So, yeah, literally the first piece of music ends up being the main theme. That's really, really rare. Other yeah. games I've had to like wait like a year to find the main theme, but for whatever reason, I, th- I think with this, I was determined to like make the harmony a little bit different. And then the heart. Usually, I'm writing the melody and the harmony at the same time. For this one, the harmony informed the melody because the chord sequences, it's not your standard film score chord sequence. Uh, if one were to transcribe it, there's a couple of little quirks in there which make it uh, a little bit more interesting. So once I'd come up with the chord sequence, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. It's a little bit different.
and just put the melody on top. And I, I kind of knew like what kind of rhythm I wanted to have the melody. Uh, have the melody. So then it was just like finding out which notes would match the chords it's playing over. One of the reasons the, for the change of process is uh, I feel like because I'm a piano player, I tend to fall into routines when coming up with different harmonies. So I was like. I'm going to just focus on harmony and make that different this time, whether it's through using inversions or just a different voicing or just using sevenths and ninths instead, instead of just using a traditional triad, which is what most film music is most of the time. <laughs> I was like, let's just change things up a little bit and then see if we can put a melody on top. And I think, I think that's one of the reasons why it, it does sound a little bit different and maybe it doesn't get annoying because the harmony is a little bit different. That said, it is the first thing you hear when you start up the game and there are a lot of people who, uh, especially on first release, who are struggling to log in in the servers and then they get kicked out and you'd, you'd hear the main theme over and over and over <laughs> again on the login theme. So, so maybe some people now, after two years of it, have gotten maybe a little bit of tired, tired of it. But uh, I, I appreciate your uh, your sentiment at least. But it's like anything. If you, I think if you hear it too much, your brain gets gets tired of it. But as long as it's uh, uh, all, all good things in moderation. me about the orchestra <laughs> so initially again because it's an early access game you don't kind of really know what you're going to be working with so you just assume that it's going to be all digital until someone says otherwise yep. now arc was uh one of the huge successes in early access uh, in fact it was probably the number one early access game until Player Unknown Battlegrounds came along and started selling all the copies. But uh, for a long time, it, it had sold a lot of units. And I think that contributed at least in some way to us being able to go and go and use an orchestra. But it was never initially the intention to go out and uh, have, have a massive recording. I think it was just, we, we got to we got to March this year. And I'd, I'd, by that point, most of the, the music was in the game. And uh, I was at the Game Developers Conference and I saw Jesse and Jeremy, the two, the two co-founders. And I was like, well, you know, what, what if we did this with an orchestra? And they were like, yeah, what if we did it with an orchestra? Send us, <laughs> send us some quotes. And so, I, you know, I sent them a range of quotes and they happened to go for the, the biggest one uh, <laughs> because it's Ark. And they were like, it's, it's basically go big or go home. And I told them like, like look, if you, if you really want this to sound big, we need to do it in Abbey Road because it's the it's the it's the room that can take that <laughs> amount of force. There are a couple of other rooms that could probably do it. There's Sony here, but uh, then I was like, "Well, are you guys sure you wanna you wanna pony up for for 93 players? Because that's like what we're gonna need if it's gonna at least match the sound of the mockups closely." And they were like, "Yeah, no problem." Um, and I was like, okay, well, well, I'd better be ready then. So this was only decided in like April of this year. Beginning of April was when they like gave the green light and the recording was on May the 27th. So they only gave me seven weeks to, to prepare. And fortunately, I'd, I'd, I'd gotten an inkling over the early access period that they might want to do an orchestra recording. So I'd, I'd done a little bit of prep work beforehand 
Such as what? Like what? Uh, just preparing all my sessions, uh, just preparing all the Pro Tools stuff. That's like making it record recording ready. Because when when it, when it's all in the box and all digital and not leaving my studio, mm-hmm. I have an excuse to keep things disorganized. Um, <laughs> But if there's a chance that there's a recording happening, um, I've learned that you can save a lot of time just by being organized from the beginning. And I don't have an intern or an assistant, so I don't have someone doing all of that for me. So I'd invested the time like during the two-year process to make sure that mm-hmm. if there was a recording, we'd be ready to ready to go. So it gave us seven weeks, really, to do all of the orchestration and the music prep. Now, I orchestrated all of the core game my colleagues Zach Lemon and Alex Rudd orchestrated all of the additional content. So there's there's an expansion pack called Scorched Earth. Um, we have seasonal music, which isn't on the soundtrack that we did for Halloween and Christmas. Uh, that was all recorded as well, and will be released at a later date. But the core game, uh, which is what you hear on the soundtrack, um, was orchestrated by by yours truly. And I don't know if that was a wise decision because orchestrating for that many players is a lot of physical work maybe i should in retrospect i probably should have done like three or four and then handed the rest of it off because <laughs> it's a lot of combat music which is just a lot of work but mm-hmm. i also just kind of I was kind of like well i might never get to work with 93 players again because this is a really really large group so it was <laughs> more like let's see if i can do it and figure it out myself and and make sure that like hey, at least all the education I got was actually worth it. So I, it was almost like a, a challenge, a personal challenge for myself to, to, uh, to orchestrate for that force. And fortunately, it came out, came out pretty good, I think. In hindsight, wisdom would tell me not to do that again and to uh, get a little bit more help than I did on the on the orchestration side of things. But yeah, seven weeks overall to prepare, and I was still writing at that point as well. Like the um, the end game, which is the last four tracks on the album, didn't really get established until the beginning of May. So the overseer and the ascension and the end credits were getting written in May, and then uh, also getting orchestrated in May. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just it's such a gargantuan piece of work. Overall, there's about 130 minutes of music that we recorded. A lot of that isn't on the soundtrack. I, I kind of did the soundtrack is kind of a, a best of of what's sure. in the game, but it's just such a gargantuan amount of music. the The guy doing all of the librarian work in London, Alan Wilson, he was like, Gareth, you've you've really written an epic here. This is one of the biggest print and preparation jobs I've ever had to do. It was an insane amount of paper, um, like I've, of, of which I've never seen before, like on on this scale, just because there's so many notes. And he he uh, he was like, yeah, it was it was it was tough to get all of this ready because it's uh, you know it's about sixty binders with about fifty different fifty different cues. Oh, just an insane amount of of prep work. And again, in retrospect, I think I would have liked to have recorded, maybe maybe had two different sessions so we could have staggered it out a little bit uh, rather than let's do everything in one mammoth three-day epic binge at Abbey Road. Yeah. I mean, look, these are good problems to have. <laughs> but uh, I think we probably could have split it up. Um, but, I, you know, 
This is Studio One Car's first release. Now, Studio is made up of, of veterans, but you know, it's, it's their first time definitely doing something on, on this scale. Um, so, you know, hopefully on their future projects, uh, we'll, have, we'll have all learned something and uh, maybe <laughs> we can manage the recording process a bit more sensibly. How big was your brass section? I just love all the horn stuff in there. So, how many horns did you have? Not enough. I wish I. I wish I. No, no. There were definitely plenty, but like, but as part of me now, I'm like, what if we'd had twelve? But, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we actually uh, we actually had six horns, um, which is two bigger than the the symphony standard of four. I think we probably could have had eight, but six is a good number because with a triad, it means you can put two on each note. So. That's why I would either have six or twelve, uh, but twelve is just <laughs> just rude and excessive. Although maybe rude and rude and excessive is kind of arc, so maybe it would have been a good idea to have anyway. <laughs> also, having twelve horns would have put us at ninety nine players, and I would have only needed like one more to get to a hundred, which is which would have been just fun. Uh, anyway, sorry, six <laughs> horns, four trumpets. The reason for four as opposed to three is because quite often I wanted trumpet four to be playing uh, one octave lower than trumpet one almost all the time. Then uh, we had how many trombones? I believe we had one tenor trombone, two bass trombones. Uh, the reason for two bass trombones instead of two tenor trombones is because the tenor trombone has this gap in the instrument which misses out quite a few bass notes and it's really a pain. Frankly, I think I might just write for three bass trombones forever from now because the bass trombones do not have this gap in the instrument. Basically, yeah. there's a gap from a low F to either the D or the D flat. There's just a little gap in the instrument, which is very inconvenient if you're writing lots of low stuff. So um, so I prefer like to write for bass trombones. Anyway, one tenor trombone, two bass trombones, and the awesome, incredible contrabass trombone, which goes so ridiculously low. <laughs> uh, I believe its lowest note is one step lower than the bottom note on a piano, which <laughs> is just crazy if you want a nice low farting sound. And there are lots <laughs> yeah. of nice low farting sounds in the score. And then to finish off and round out that bass section, we've got a tuba and a cymbasso. So yeah, it's a really, it's a pretty meaty brass section, but it's a balanced brass section. Like when you hear the, the brass in isolation, it really is a magnificent sound. Um, and one of the cool things about working with this orchestra, the Philharmonia Orchestra, is that you know they play together all year round, and they're not just doing film scores and game scores. They're doing they're doing all of the classical repertoire as well. So they have they have huge range, and they have fantastic togetherness that just it really just sounds special when it all comes together. It does, um, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, no, I noticed, you know, there, as you mentioned, there is a lot of combat music in this game, which makes total sense. And yeah. so the strings play really fast a lot, and they played so together, 
and not in a studio post-production fixed kind of way. Like in, you know what I mean? Like they were playing those fast lines and they they do play very well together. So I was curious if they were an actual orchestra or, or if they were, you know, studio musicians. Yeah, they're, they're, they're an actual orchestra that happens to be ridiculously good in the studio. It's kind wow. of one of their signatures and hallmarks. I mean, two weeks prior, I think, they were recording The Mummy. Um, they've done they've done a ton of Brian Tyler scores this year. Cool. And they're, they're recording film scores a lot. So they're, they're used to the session environment, but they have that classical background as well. So they're, they're a very well-rounded orchestra. And, and you're right to bring up the string sound because when when I heard that string sound for the first time, I was like, my goodness, this is just a whole different level. Um, the yeah. contractor who who booked all the musicians, he was like, I don't think there's a, a string sound. There's nothing like the Philharmonia Orchestra string sound. And, and he was right. Um, and I always think the sign of a great orchestra, it's not, it's not just how well you can play the difficult stuff. I think that's kind of to be expected, but actually how well can you play the easy stuff? Um, because yeah. that's where that's where the difference between good and great is like, you expect an orchestra to play, uh, you know, whole notes well, no matter who it is, but like, can you play a whole note with expression? And mm-hmm. you know, can you make that interesting? Mm-hmm. They not only, you know, they not only did the simple stuff really, uh, really beautifully, but they also obviously nailed the, the really difficult stuff too. One more thing on the togetherness. Um, most of the cues on the soundtrack we didn't record in separate sections. It's it's convention now in a lot of soundtracks to record the strings and woodwind separately, right. and then the brass on another pass. Now most of it, I'd say on about eighty-five percent of the soundtrack, we're all recorded together at the same time, which Amazing. I'm quite proud of. It's it's uh, I mean it's yeah. partially a time it's partially a time thing as well because uh, we had so much music to record, um, but. Uh, their internal balancing you didn't have to tell them how to internally balance like they were i'm sure they fixed a lot of mistakes and never mentioned it um because that's what a good orchestra does so yeah i really uh, i really enjoyed uh, ha- having them play on the on the album talk about some specific tracks and uh, uh, we're just going to start with the battle march because that battle march is great <laughs> so uh, originally the arc battle march was written for one of the bosses in the game in fact I think it was actually the catch all track for all of the bosses in the game so um, there are three boss tracks in the game the brood mother the dragon and the mega pithecus um, the Megapithecus is a giant gorilla. Um, Broodmother is a giant spider, and the dragon no. is a dragon. So originally, this was one of the catch-all tracks that was used that was used for those bosses. And this is one of those quirks of early access. So 
the Ark Battle March, Battle March, maybe much to your dismay, is actually not in the game anymore. Um, but it's used, <laughs> it's used uh, primarily now as a as a marketing piece. And I remember when we changed the battle music out um, for for what's in there now, which is the customized music for each boss. Um, yeah, a lot of people complained. Um, oh, they've, they've changed the music for the for the boss fights. I really like the old one. I'm like, well, you might really like the new one too. But when you've been when you've been using when you've been using one piece of music, for like, I think that that piece is a year old. In fact, that's one of the first pieces I wrote for the game. I think it was actually two years old. So, so people have gotten used to it. Um, that said, I th- it was a really fun track to do just because uh, it's so raw and primal. I think that's why they ended up using it a lot more in their marketing beats because it kind of captures the spirit of the game which is why it ended up being called the arc battle march so it's more like a i think it's going to be used now more in the future as a, as a call to action for anything we do further along in the game um, but also you'll still see it pop up on our on our on the on the game's marketing but yes initially it was the boss track for all the, the all three bosses in the game and then uh it it had served its uh, year and a half of service and was then retired for <laughs> the three other customized boss tracks, um, which I also really like them. Um, I kind of wish we just had a fourth boss, to be honest, that we could put the Ark Battle March back in. of other instruments are in there other than the traditional ones I, I know there's got to be some didgeridoo and maybe these are samples but I'm just curious of you know what other kinds of additions did you make outside of the traditional orchestra so the swamp uses didgeridoo that's a that's a good observation I kind of used that as the core of the track One of the things I wanted to try and do, even though we had this massive orchestral force, I needed to like try and make sure that each area of the game sounds a little bit different. Um, so just as a, an explanation, all of the, the music in the game is restricted to a certain biome, which is a geographical area of the island. So, for example, track two, uh, the Southern Islets, uh, plays only on the beach during the day. Shores and Stars plays only on the beach at night. Um, yeah, because there is a day-night cycle. Yeah, there is a day. There is a day-night cycle, and there is a significant difference in terms of how the creatures behave and in terms of how dangerous each area is.
So with each geographical area, I've kind of like, we, we do have the orchestra playing in every track, but um, we do have some instruments that are unique to the areas. For um, So I've mentioned the didgeridoos in the, in the swamp. Um, we have a lot more higher pitched wind instruments for when you're high up in the mountains. There's a decent amount of tuned percussion and weirdness when you go into the caves and oceans. Uh, like in the oceans, there's a lot of bowed, metallic-y, like glistening sort of sounds because you're underwater. Caves in the game have a lot of like crystal features, um, so there's a lot of uh, metallic-y um, tuned percussion sounds there. In terms of specific instruments, I mean most of them uh, are samples. That, the plucked instruments, honestly, it's mostly guitar or 12-string guitar. One of the neat, cheap tricks I've learned is just to take an acoustic guitar and make all the strings ever so slightly out of tune and you kind of get this weird slightly ethnic sounding strumming strumming sound which mm -hmm. just makes things sound a little bit different it's such an easy thing to do um to to have a guitar play slightly out of tune i mean we're, we're talking really slightly here because otherwise it would be off-putting um but it adds just a it adds just a, a little bit more of a, a tribal a tribal element to the game um and i think one of the other things also the amount of percussion in the game it's um that's also like a kind of de defining feature of the soundtrack because it is, Ark is a very tribal game. To succeed in the game, you kind of have to team up with other humans. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be really, really grindy just to get to the end of the game. Um, Ark's probably at its most enjoyable when you're playing with other humans, but it's also at its most risky because humans are horrible people and we you, the, any human any human can just turn on you at any time in the game so any alliance you've made uh, can just be scrapped when hey whenever a player decides ah, wow. screw it we'll just take you out um, oh it's it's utterly brutal My father just started playing the game, and uh, I asked him, "Well, are you playing player versus player, or are you just playing player versus uh, player versus enemy?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm sticking to playing offline because it's just too it's too harsh playing playing online. But the the rewards are there if you play online with other people because you can get the bigger creatures a lot more quickly because you're working sure. as a team. Sure. Um, so." I wanted to like have that tribal element in the music. If it, a lot of the rhythms I use in the game uh, have a subtle feel of a dance, um, so I, I just kind of wanted to put that in a lot of the tracks as well, um, mm -hmm. rather than just have uh, epic pounding aggressive. It is epic pounding aggressive combat music, but it's structured in a way that makes it feel a little bit like a tribal warfare dance. We, we shouldn't forget about the choir. 
<laughs> well, I hate to disappoint you, but the choir is actually all samples. Nice, that's amazing. I did. I did think about adding, uh, asking, asking Studio Wildcard if we needed to, uh, if, if if they wanted to spring for a real choir, but because they're really just doing the epic R's and O's sound as opposed mm-hmm. to anything with actual diction, um, I, th- I think the the return on investment wouldn't have been as big as like getting getting the orchestra to actually play the notes. But yes, the, the choir is actually all samples. So That's I, amazing. Uh, but but, but I, mean, I mean, here's the thing. When you have a, an orchestra, a, the orchestra's live, it helps sell the, the choir. Time. Like, exactly. Yep. Yeah, and also, as you mentioned, you know, it's it's not a choral soundtrack. So, you know, if they were exposed, then obviously that would make a difference. But as you mentioned, you know, whenever I heard the choir, uh, you know, and I, of course, only got to listen one one time through, but it sure seemed like the, the orchestra was, was always humming along right behind them. Yeah, the, the the orchestra is generally just being doubled by the choir. So, like, if, for example, in the overseer track, like a lot of the choir stabs are being enhanced by the stabs and the strings and the woodwind. Even the full, like, long sustained sounds, uh, the trumpets, like the trumpets will be playing a triad, and like the female sopranos will be doing, uh, will be doing exactly the same thing. So mm-hmm. it's really, it's really just. If it wasn't brute force enough without the choir, it's really just to add uh, even more brute force to what you're hearing. I think as long as one of the elements are live, whether it's choir or orchestra, um, that can the one can help sell the other, basically. Sure, sure. Uh, so tell me about the track called Creation, because that one definitely does stand out, and it's lovely. Uh, of course, not that the other music is, isn't lovely, but you know what I'm saying. It's, you know, epic combat music a lot, and yeah. survival and all of this, and then you get to Creation, and it's just very beautiful. So uh, set that one up if you can without spoilers, and tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Well, fortunately, uh, there won't be. There's not too many spoilers for this track because it's actually the music that plays when you're creating your character. But people spend a lot of time on that screen because also um, it's the music that gets played when you die. Um, so, and when you die, you have to start again. Thus, you are being recreated in the mm. world. So it's not, it's not just creation, it's kind of recreation. So <laughs> yeah. obviously I didn't want blaring music while people are deciding how muscular to make their character um, <laughs> or like which tattoo to give their character um, yeah. but it's more it's more I just wanted a reflective version of the main theme kind of like a, a calm before the storm and it was also just nice to 
I, I feel like one of my strengths is writing soft music, um, and I didn't get to do that much in this game for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, I get to do it. I get to do a soft cue at last. And yeah, it really is just the the main theme, but it's led by uh, solo violin initially. Um, we've put a ton of reverb on the orchestra, um, way more than is on the rest of the soundtrack, just to kind of add to the. There is a like a fantasy nature to the game, and there's a science fiction nature to the game, so it doesn't need to sound like a 100% classical orchestra. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to make a softer but also richer version of the main theme, and also have a little bit of subtlety and nuance in there, rather than like hitting the player over the head um, like they are for the for the rest of the game. The goal from the beginning was to, was to have a contrast, um, but in terms of the story, it's yeah, it's just where the the, the player creates their character and also the music they hear when when they when they die and then go back into the game. So um, nice. having something too epic and too strong, I think would that would really annoy the player. Like having like a ha ha ha, you died music. Um, <laughs> like it's that's because it, you die a lot in the game, and also when you die, uh, you unless you get back to your location quickly enough, you potentially lose all of your creatures. So oh, um, it's um, it's particularly harsh when you die, which is why a lot of people can't stomach the the, the playing online because it's because you can lose everything very quickly. Jeez. Oh. It's kind of like Eve Online in that respect. Like I don't, I don't know yeah. if you're familiar with the game oh, Eve yeah. Online, but every so often there are these huge cataclysmic battles in the yep. game where like tens of thousands of dollars, because that game has a real economy, and tens of thousands of dollars of, of of starships are just destroyed in one epic battle. There isn't an in-game economy in Ark, though I wouldn't put it past them to try putting one in in the future. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's still hours and hours and hours of of play time. I mean, some people have played Ark. For for five thousand hours, uh, oh probably more. Yeah, it's it's just one of those games that kind of takes yep. over your life. Yeah, there are a couple of things that you said that made me think of Eve, and um, one of my housemates plays Eve. And, yep. you know, has the app. And so he'll be like, well, I can level up that in 24 days and 17 <laughs> hours or something. And I'm like, well, good for you. But but also the whole PvP aspect of, of EVE where you can have these alliances and they can just yep. break down, uh, yep. you know, suddenly. And uh, you can lose everything and lose all your friends. And, and, and it could just be because someone said, like, one thing that was interpreted in the wrong way in a chat. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a fascinating a fascinating thing. But I think also that's also one of the reasons why games like Ark and Eve have been so successful is because there is such a strong community and social aspect to it. Mm -hmm. Like another journalist I spoke to said, he'd had he'd been able to reconnect with some of his old friends just by playing Ark because they were they were all online together. So it was like, well, hey, why don't we just play online together uh, in the same on the same server and as part of the same uh, part of the same tribe and we can enjoy it together and kind of reconnect. And I think I think that strong community aspect and the social aspect is 
is is one of the reasons why it became so phenomenally successful. Because I think if it was just taming dinosaurs and building a base, that's fun for a while. But like, what what? I mean, it might be fun for a long time. It depends on what you're into, obviously. Yeah. But like beyond yeah. beyond, I think for a game to have like the kind of life that a lot of these like multiplayer games have, there's got to be a strong community aspect as well. Um, Definitely. So yeah, that's that's why I thought of Eve because of these these crazy epic battles where where you can lose everything. <laughs> So one other track specifically I want to mention is called Not So Plain and Simple. And I really got a kick out of this one too. I loved the climbing baseline you've got going on in there. So can you talk a little bit about that one? So yeah, this is also one of the, it's funny, you've picked the uh, the initial tracks that I, uh, <laughs> How that, about that? That, that, I, <laughs> that I ended up writing. Uh, no, it's totally cool. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you didn't go for the obvious choices, actually, because a lot of people just go for Dragon, Broodmother, Overseer, which, you know, they're, they're sexy titles, but you've gone, you've gone for one of the first tracks that I wrote, and it is, in terms, if you ask the player base um, what track they like the most, it's this one. Uh, so really? this was the... I have to check this to get it right, but I think it was the initial night combat music uh, for the game. Yes. Um, okay. So when we initially, when we did the initial release of the game, there was just two pieces of combat music. There was the combat music for the day and the combat music for the night. <laughs> yeah. And no matter where you were on the island, that's all you'd hear. So... The night music, for whatever reason, I think it is partially because of the the heroic like ascending baseline thing, which actually I extended even more for the live recording because I knew people liked it. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, I look on YouTube because because um, the, all the early access music is on is on YouTube anyway, and I was like, I'm, okay, I'm going to read the comments. I'm like, oh, I really like this part of the music. I'm like, well, I could probably extend that because it's just an ascending baseline and this awesome. could technically go on forever. But yeah, that piece of music was one of the first ones to be written for the game, and, and it was funny, like, when we put all of the uh, the new combat music in, which was restricted to all of the all of the biomes, so what was originally the night combat music then only got played during when you were in the grasslands at night. So instead of hearing that piece of combat music anywhere on the island you'd only mm -hmm. hear it in the grasslands um, and again it was one of those things I'd go onto the forums or onto the reddit why have you changed the music you've ruined the music I, <laughs> I don't like the new combat music because because people had been living with it for a year yeah. and a half and yeah. Um, yeah, this has been one of the crazy things about early access that I don't think anyone could have expected 
if you're working with a, a director on a film, you you the, the director might have a temp track that they like, and they you know they might have become really attached to it. Well, in this case, it's not really the director I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with an audience that has fallen in love with something that I never intended to play across the island for the final release of the game. But because they lived with this track for a year and a half, they become so used to it, and they probably had some really like cool gaming experiences when listening to that track mm-hmm. um, and now because I'm changing it I'm messing with people's memories and nostalgia and all of that and I hadn't I mean it's a vocal minority I think I think like and I think now the people are used to the new music they appreciate what it is but um, I think in future I'll be way more careful about where and how music plays in the early access build because I, we just put it in and we didn't really think about how it would relate to the final release of the game. Partially because so many early access games don't come out of early access. You can't really plan for the end. But now that we've kind of proven that we can we can get to the end of early access and the launch can be a success, in hindsight, I probably would have put all of the geographical restrictions on the music uh, in the initial release of the game rather than just have one generic track for the night's yeah. combat for the whole island and one generic track for the day line. But I wouldn't... I couldn't have foreseen people falling in love with a mock-up so much. Well, right, and and not it wasn't all written, was it? I mean, you didn't even have it all written, did you? No, no, it wasn't all it wasn't already written. So we we yeah. really had no we really had no choice to like right. to put it on the put put it everywhere on the island. But I just don't think anyone could have foreseen people falling in in love with a mocked-up track so much. Yeah. And I think several people would have been happy just having the same day and night combat music for the rest of the game, but. I don't think that would have given longevity to the experience, but it would have um, it would have saved upsetting a few people. And, you know, and it's it's music. I think like people get over it, but uh, the the forums and Twitter and YouTube were quite brutal for a, for a couple of weeks. It was just, wow. it was just I I took it as a compliment because I'm like, well, this is kind of cool because obviously you like this track. Wait until you hear it recorded live. But it was also just strange because I'm like, wow, they uh, I I just. I just couldn't have foreseen that, and I think it's just—it's just a problem and an issue that is unique to early access. Um, I'd like to, if I'm accepted, I'd like to do a talk at the Game Developers Conference about it because this kind of thing I don't think has ever come up in gaming before because early access is still relatively new. So it's like, how do you score an early access game while respecting your audience that has paid? for the game early but also how do you respect your own final creative vision for the mm-hmm. for the game early access is becoming a popular model because it, it clearly works um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it just the only the, the reason why some games don't get to the end is because end of early access and come out and release a version one is because of feature creep um, you know people keep buying the game and keep 
you know new features get added but eventually um, you kind of have to put a lid on it and also who wants to work on the same game for like five or six years not not yeah. many people do so uh, I think you'll see more early access titles crop up and hopefully more getting over the finishing line mm-hmm. um, so I think yeah, in terms of music, this is a thing that's going to come up again and again and again. Um, just how to how to respect the audience that has paid early, but also also stay true to creative vision. It's it's a tough one, yeah. and just with that track, especially because I, I understand why people like it because it is a little bit more heroic sounding than some of the other tracks, which are perhaps a little bit uh, more relentless in their in their darkness. Yeah. Uh, whereas this one is a little bit more a little bit more uplifting. Uh, you know, it's got the cool bell sounds at the beginning, um, hmm. and and yeah, the the rising bass line. Anything that rises, Jerry. I think there's a quote from Jerry Bruckheimer, which my my mixing engineer told me he was like, "Yeah, just make everything go up. It sounds better when it goes up." <laughs> um, uh, um, and you know, Jerry Bruckheimer is probably a decent reference for a game like Ark. So. Yes. <laughs> It's an old trick, but it, it does work very well. Obviously, I don't have ascending bass lines in every single track in the game, because that would get annoying. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, in this track, it was just one of those things I did at the time, and then people grew with it over over a year and a half. Um, and it's still in the game. Um, it's just, it's, just uh, it's confined and restricted to the area which it had al- always been planned to be confined and restricted to, uh, <laughs> just not for the early access part of the game. So what do you play in these days? Because you're a gamer. So what do you what do you do in these days? I literally just finished last night the Game of Thrones Telltale game, um, which uh, was really fun. It was absolutely brutal. It might even be more brutal than the TV show in terms of uh, wow. in terms of death in the game. It's <laughs> uh, it's pretty harsh, but uh, I, re- I really enjoyed it. It kind of has a, a neat overlap with the series it can be played completely independently of the series and it doesn't really tie into the the tv series story um it's more like a parallel story but there are characters from the tv show that make an appearance in the game Tyrion lannister appears in the game uh marjorie tyrell appears in the game um it's uh, and, and if you, and cersei appears in the game which is re- it's just really cool to like have a bit more of that world the other game i'm playing right now and i'm getting close to the end is Mafia 2 uh, because because I want to play Mafia 3 but I hadn't and and there's no link between Mafia 2 and Mafia 3 but I've I've always been into Italian Mafia stories and and Mafia 2 it's it's not it's not a new game. It's, it's several years old, but mm-hmm. it actually really holds up in terms of its its look and appearance because the animation is outstanding. Mm. So it makes the whole world a little bit more believable. But yeah, as soon as I'm done with Mafia 2, I'm on to Mafia 3 because I've, I've heard so many great things about the world mm-hmm. um, and, and their, like their world building in general and how well they depicted that era in the game. So that's next up. So I'm going to finish Mafia 2, which I think I've probably got three to four more hours left. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, then, you should listen then, to the interview I did with Jesse Harlan who did the music for Mafia 3 because uh, it was pretty great 
to talk oh, to Oh, yeah. Him. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine, like, getting a brief for that game. It's like, because that's <laughs> such a rare brief to get in this day and age. Like, yep. and there's And there's not that many people who can pull off that style either. Um, yeah. So I have actually heard the soundtrack um, because a lot of people were talking about it and how great it was. Mm-hmm. And also I know they recorded it in Nashville, which uh, yeah. they recorded at least some of it in Nashville where I've uh, recorded many times. So I was intrigued to see what they were. I'm always intrigued to see what they're up to. So yeah, that's next up for me. I ca- I'd like to switch it up between the the, the story-driven, like the, the simple story-driven games, like, like the Telltale Games experience. And then, mm-hmm. yeah. Doing an open world game is kind of a commitment, so uh, <laughs> yes. so I, I can't do too many of them. Even though so many games are open world nowadays, there's there's only so many hours in the day, you know. Because we also we all have to work. Well, Gareth, is there anything else you'd like to add about this wonderful score for Ark? Uh, I think you have you've done a great job of covering things that I haven't had a chance to talk about actually so um, you've kind of done your own, as usual you've kind of done your own unique spin on it um, so I'm <laughs> I'm utterly satisfied with this interview how about that <laughs> well me too it's always such a pleasure to speak with you and always of course a pleasure to hear new music from you and uh just a um, way to way to go on this one as well. So thank you. Thank you. It was it was really fun to write. I, I again I don't know if I'll ever be asked anything write anything this crazy and epic and over the top again. But even if I don't, I've I, I got to do it once. So uh, it's um, it's been a real joy to like work with a with a force of this size. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll get to do it again. But uh, if not, I had this one chance. So yeah. Thanks for listening to episode 84 of Level with Emily Reese. You can find links for Gareth's music at patreon.com level and see a playlist there too. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Incorporated.